Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavaliers Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Features and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Motor City Hoops. On today's show, we'll talk about DSJ, Corey Joseph, and Hamid Diallo. For today's NBA draft player profile, we'll analyze Jalen Green. And then we'll head around the NBA and talk about the NBA's individual awards finalists and the playing games. But Bryce, let's get this player evaluation first. Dennis Smith Jr. He's been, he's been good for us overall, but I really want to see your take on this. Yeah, so we kind of this this week's theme, I guess, was midseason acquisitions. You know, we kind of did um, the the vets the first week, we did the rookies the next week, and so this these are the three guys that we traded for that Troy Weaver traded for during the middle of the year. So we traded what Derek Rose, who we'll talk about later in the show with the six man of the year finalists coming out his his expiring contract. Remember that for Dennis Smith Jr. and a second round pick that's going to end up being number 42 from the Charlotte Hornets. I think he came out and it looked like a steal. There's going to be some common things between him and Corey Joseph when we talk, Vlad, because when we traded for Dennis Smith Jr., people thought people made it sound like he was the worst NBA player ever, like he had no business being in the NBA. Um, so he came out and looked like a steal in the trade. It looked like he was going to be really good. It looked like maybe he was going to be future um, a piece, you know, but he missed 20 of the 20 of the last 27 games, Vlad. So I like the possibility of keeping him. I hate to think of the thought of losing him and all we really got in that trade was a second round pick. But I don't know if I would put that $7.7 million qualifying offer on him as a restricted free agent. I'm not solo him, Bryce. And my idea is not that I don't like uh, the kid. I think he's a pretty good player. I just think the return of investment would be much higher on Saban Lee than on him. So I just don't see why I would pay him so much money, you know, worth the qualifying offer when I have Saban Lee. And I feel like they're somewhat similar. 
if we want that second unit or uh, that type of point guard to be aggressive on defense, you know, uh, be very athletic. I feel like Sable and yeah, Dennis Smith Jr. are right there. And uh, with the jam lag at that position, I- I'm just not sure he's worth the investment. I, I-, yeah. I do like the kid. I-, I do like him, but I'm just not sure, like, for our roster that he's a good fit. Yeah, I, I think with the you brought up Saban Lee. I also bring up Frank Jackson, who we'll talk about eventually as well, and kind of analyze his season. But I think with the emergence of both of those guys, and maybe even the next guy we're going to talk about, Corey Joseph, depending on what happens with him. Like you said, like eventually you just you can't have all of these guys. And if we're going to really compete next year, like you know, I think it sounds like we will. Jeremy Grant, Troy Weaver, Dwayne Casey, everything they says say makes it sound like they believe we can make it into the play-in game next year you know that we can increase our win total by 10 12 games 15 games so if we're trying to win every single game every single night you can't play 12 13 guys again there's going to be a set rotation and at some point you just have to limit it so i would rather keep frank jackson almost in a combo guard role than bring dennis smith jr um so between those two guys i'd even Honestly, I didn't even think Frank Jackson because, to me, that's a lock. Uh, there's no way I'm losing that guy. You know, there's no way uh, we're losing Frank Jackson. Uh, I, I would hope not. I don't know. Maybe maybe Weaver has some up, up his sleeve, but I would not lose the kid. He's He's been great for us. You know, he's been great for us. And um, really, that's why I didn't even think about him because, to me, I thought I was that's a lock for us, you know. Yeah. I'm, well, yeah. I'm a big fan of his. You know, he's, he's helped us tremendously. You know, he made a huge jump himself individually. And, uh, you know, really love the kid. But since you mentioned Corey Joseph, uh, you know, we traded DeLon Wright, who's playing who's playing well for us. I, I, I like DeLon. I, I like the, the way he was playing for us and, and the, the holes he was covering. He was covering multiple holes in that lineup, uh, either with starters, either with the bench lineup. Um, you know, he was, he was having a really nice, nice role for us. But then we got Corey Joseph, you know, second-round pick and a 2024 second-round pick. Uh, overall, he's been solid for us. And something I noticed and something that uh, really stuck with me is that he thrives under Casey. Some of his best years in this league are under Coach Casey. Yeah, I mean, he can. <laughs> it's funny because when we traded for Corey Joseph, Vlad, people acted like he was the worst player in the league. Like if you listen to Sacramento <laughs> King fans, they acted like he couldn't play. You know, and all this was going to be, like, literally all this was going to be, right, was it, it was about the salaries. DeLon Wright was guaranteed 8.5. Corey Joseph's only guaranteed two. So it was going to be a way to clear up $6 million in cap space um, to, to sign or extend or whatever somebody else on the roster. But he was way better than advertised. He's a veteran presence. He can make shots. So with Detroit, he averaged 12 and 5, shot 51% from the field and 35% from three. I do think the contract makes it an interesting situation. There's no way I would really feel comfortable bringing Corey Joseph back. I think what I think it's twelve million dollars or eleven million or something like that. But if you could find some other way, I don't know. I I need to get with somebody so I can understand the NBA contracts and salary cap better than what I do, so I can figure out how. I I know the basics, but not the more in depth stuff. Um, But he's the third leading scorer on the team right now. Honestly, Bryce, I think we're going to pay that guaranteed and then we could try to resign him for a lot less. Uh, you know, there's no reason to keep him on that on that big contract. So you can pay that guarantee, you know, the guarantee part and cut him and then try to resign him. And I know it's a small sample, but his player efficiency rating, Bryce, 
is 17.3. It's right around where Derrick Rose was at the, at the beginning of the season. Um, I can see the similarity in the presence as far as like veteran leadership and all this stuff. And um, honestly, I'm inclined to say if we can keep him, keep him. Uh, you know, if he doesn't hurt our chances in the long run, at least give it one more year. You know what I'm saying? I think it's it's worth a try because he's like efficiency-wise, like you said, scoring-wise, but also efficiency-wise, he's our third best player. Yeah. It, uh, I understand that the sample is small. It's only 19 games. Don't get me wrong. But still, he averages 12, 5.5, and uh, three rebounds. It's pretty good in 26 minutes. And again, Vlad, like – why, if, if we're going to try to win, he, he's a good backup veteran to go along with the young guys we have. So, like, I'd feel real good about a second unit backcourt, a combination of Corey Joseph and Frank Jackson. And then Saban Lee maybe on a two-way, you know, getting G League time, but also able to fill in if Corey Joseph needs a rest or something like that. There's a little bit dependent on who we end up drafting as well. And maybe there's a second-round pick there that can – play the two to, to knock down shots when teams go zone. You know, I mean, maybe Servetus, you know, maybe he he's shown a little bit here at the end of the year as well. But but I do like that. And somebody on Twitter brought up a, a good point, um, one of our followers, that maybe you just keep Corey Joseph on that contract because really that money's not going to be able to use to go sign an outside free agent anyway because we'll still be over the cap. And so you can use that money to stay – to, to him, but you couldn't go sign an outside free agent anyway. So I think it'll depend on whether we need that money to sign maybe a guy like Hami Diallo or something like that. But if we can keep all of our guys and stay under the luxury tax, we may see Corey Joseph stay on that contract. Yeah, that's that's a very good uh, good point right there, Bryce. Now, since you mentioned Hami Diallo, I'm torn on him, Bryce. Uh, honestly, we, we let him walk, in my opinion, because... Uh, maybe I'm a little more biased toward JJ being a local guy. Um, they're very similar to me, and I'm not sure we need them together next year. But that's just that's just my take. I just don't see them playing well together. Yeah, that's so. What we traded Svi for for Diallo, who the, their contracts were the same. They said they were drafted in the same draft. Um, they're going into their fifth year and um, or fourth year, and then a 2027 second round pick. So we traded away a 2027 second round pick. You're right. They are the same type of player, um, him and JJ. I, I'm i kind of dip. This is where we're going to disagree a little bit. I would like to see them both. Co- I mean, JJ's coming back. He, he's on a $5 million deal. So I'd like to see them both back next year and just kind of see how it plays out. You know, Hami has shot 40% from three in Detroit. Rebounds the ball really well. He's athletic. He, you know, he can defend. I like Hami's game. I'd like to see them both and just see how it works. And again, I think they give you a lot of lot of lineup versatility. So we've talked about Corey Joseph and Frank Jackson. Well, now with JJ and Hami, they can t- play the two, they can play the three, they can play the four. So you could move them all around in that second unit, you know, along with Sekou playing at the four and Isaiah Stewart obviously at the five. So I think. You know, there's still a little bit of a logjam, but I think you can utilize them with their lineup versatility. Yeah, that's it's just tough to me because I'm not sure that he can shoot again 40% from three. And yeah, they're just too similar for me. I would prefer to try to bring in some kind of a shooter 
uh, honestly, just because, uh, you know, Sadiq is going to start probably next year a bunch of games. So I just don't see a lot of shooting off the bench right now. Uh, unless Servetis just starts playing more and more, but I'm not sure he's ready. So it, it, it's just, I don't know. It's one of those tough situations. Depends who the point guard is going to be too, because if you score Joseph, then okay, it kind of makes sense. But if you say Ben Lee, then I don't know. You know, as far as the fit goes, uh, like I said, I really think um, Sadiq moves the starting lineup for good. Uh, I feel like Isaiah Stewart is going to be kind of on the fringe there. Killian is going to start at a point. And, um, you know, who's who's going to be the shooting guard okay, first so, lineup? And we can get in right now to Jalen okay. Green. Yeah, yeah. So NBA draft player profiles to what? We've done Cade Cunningham. We've done Evan Mobley, right? So the, the next guy is definitely Jalen Green. And, and here's what I want to say. I've said this for over a month now, Vlad. He's the best pure fit in the draft for the Pistons. I, I don't... I don't think there's any questioning that. Whenever you say, when you look at the Pistons roster and say, what do they need? You say, in my opinion, a starting shooting guard, though I know some people think Sadiq Bey could play there and he probably could. But, and then you say they need a pure scorer. And that's exactly what Jalen Green is. He's a two guard and he's a pure scorer. But I do want to say that doesn't mean we should take him any earlier than number three. I think we've talked about this. Kate Cunningham can fit with this team. Evan Mobley can fit with this team. And those guys are franchise-changing prospects. And I think we'll get into whether we think Jalen Green is or not. But he's a big-time athlete. He's a big-time scorer. He did it in the G League. Okay? And he looked really, really good. Bryce, I'm torn on this. I'm really torn. Um, because when I think Kate Cunningham, I really think in that all-around player mold which I'm not sure it works unless you have the right pieces around them. Like if you think LeBron, LeBron in Cleveland, right? And Mobley, I feel, is like a long-term thing, right? He can develop in that in that um, player that we talked, you know, if, if you guys want to check out the episode and talk about Mobley. He has a lot of potential. Clearly has a lot of potential, uh, a lot of defensive ability. Um, you know, he, it's hard to pass on him. But when I get Jalen Green, Bryce, it's so hard for me not to think that this is the guy we need. Yeah. Like, like we want to compete next year. This is the guy we need. Well, and I think that's right. I I think I think our expectations change if the pick is Mobley, like you just said. If the pick is Mobley, I think he is going to take a little bit time to develop, at least into the player we see him being, especially the player you see him being and some other draft guys. Um, I think and you're Cunningham, still going to be without a scorer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. So I think I think Cade Cunningham provides the most immediate and long term. But I think Jalen Green's probably second in terms of immediate production. So then I, let's say we have the second pick. Would you pass a Mobley to no, take Green? No, I would not. You still I, would not do it. Yeah. Just long term. You just still play the long term game. Yes, I think absolutely. There's no question. I, I'm with you. I think there's tiers. I think Cade Cunningham is is in a tier by himself. I think Mobley's in tier two by himself, just based on the fact that I think the the absolute upside is just insane for for Evan Mobley. For Mobley, yep. Yeah. Okay, agree. And then Jalen Green is in a tier by himself in tier three because I think he's in the tier above Jalen Suggs. I know a lot of people put them together. I don't think so. 
I think Green, I think Green's upside is more of just as a pure score. Like I could see Jalen Green coming in and scoring the ball the way Anthony Edwards did this year for Minnesota. Like absolutely, go, but I think he's better than Anthony. Edwards. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like people, like I'm going to say he could average 20 a game next year, and and people are going to think I'm crazy. But Anthony Edwards just did it, and I realize he was a high volume shooter. But Jalen Green just played in the G League, like quote unquote a professional league. Averaged 18 a game shooting 46, 37, 83 shooting splits. You talk about free throw percentages all the time. Everybody does. He shot 83% from the free throw line. So that, that's a good indicator that he can be a good shooter. So if that, that's better percentages than Anthony Edwards. So I could see him averaging 20 a game next year. And, you know, Anthony Edwards did that on a Minnesota team that won a lot of games in the second half of the year. People forget about that. So, the comparison I saw from the ringer for Jalen Green that I love, that I kind of see, is Zach Levine. Okay. I like that. But, Bryce, I'm struggling because, I'll be honest, up until this, this draft profile, my focus was on Mobley and Cunningham. So, I didn't watch a whole ton of Jalen Green, and then I started watching him. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I think I watched about 30, 40 minutes total of, of highlights. I watched uh, – about a quarter and a half of uh, one of these G League games. I was impressed though, Bryce. I'm not sure that if you ask me today, if he played college basketball last year, <laughs> that he would not be the number one pick. Yeah. Nah. I- I'm torn because if you went to college basketball, the way the way I saw him play, the athleticism, how he finishes at the rim, how he can finish off the dribble, how he can shoot the ball. And the fact that he played as a primary ball handler, yes. that, that's really what kind of just stuck with me when I watched him because I expected, just watching highlights, I kind of expected it too, like you said, you know, like uh, like Zach Levine. But I got basically a point. He, he handled the ball the whole time for the night, and then I could make that. I'm like, well, Casey loves a two-guard front. Like He, he loves having two ball handlers. The difference is that Jalen Green can really score the ball. Hayes would be more a facilitator. So in my head, I was like, okay, I can see Hayes, Green, Bate, Grant, and Plumlee. And Green has the ability to cut back door with, with Jeremy Grant, which gives you two very athletic uh, guard wings with, with base spacing the floor. Grant can shoot a spot up. So it just made a whole ton of sense for me for this Pistons team for right now. Uh, okay, three years down the road, yeah, Mobley can pan out and be a lot better. And Kate Cunningham, of course, he brings you that that different mold. Yeah, no, I I agree, Vlad. Like that's what like I have no problem. If we stay in the top three, I am juiced. I feel good. I'm I'm fine with it. I, like I say, I think Jalen Green, Jalen Green might end up being rookie of the year and having the biggest impact. Like he may end up having a bigger impact than Kate Cunningham. Even like it'll be. It, I I see. I think they're both going to be better players. Cade Cunningham is the um, LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards is – or Jalen Green is the Anthony Edwards. So, like, those are the those are the comparisons to me, you know, of, of these guys. I just think they're both going to be much, much better players. Um, but you saw what, you know, LaMelo Ball and, uh, had, had a great impact with the Hornets and they got into the play-in game as well. So, here's the thing. You bring up a good point. What, he, here's what I love about him, Vlad. He can play in the straight isolation. I don't think we have a guy that can do that. We don't. <laughs> I, I'm doing a – so I'm, I'm doing a uh, – I, I, I was fortunate enough to be asked by the Detroit Bad Boys to help them out with a uh, end-of-the-year player review 
um, using the video breakdowns I've been doing. So I, I, I did just a, a test run with Jeremy Grant. And I, I highlight that he was better in isolations than what we thought. But he's not like this kid. He's not one of the better isolation guys in the league. Sadiq Bay, like, yeah, you can throw it to him in the post. But, like, Jalen Green is catch it 35 feet, square you up, clear out a side, and go get a bucket. And then, like you said, he can use ball screens. He can initiate the offense. If he can do that stuff, the upside is even higher than probably what I'm giving him credit for. Yeah, that's why I'm so torn, Bryce. I, I honestly, uh, like I said before this episode, uh, before doing a deep dive into Jalen Green, I was like, okay, um, he's clearly number three on this and that. And then once I watched him, I was like, you know what? I really like the kid. Honestly, for uh, for many reasons. Maybe for a personal reason, too. I just like the way he plays. Like, yeah. When I watched him, I was like, <laughs> I just it's fun to watch. You know, like yeah. I'm like, okay, Kate Cunningham can do this. I Mobley can do that and this. Then I'm like, man, this is like electric. Like the yes. kid is electric. Like two dribble drive, like two dribbles from the three point line, just bam. I'm like, okay, like that's a good start to highlight. And then you watch a full game, and like he brings the ball to the floor, he initiates the offense, he gives the ball back, and then he isos. Then he plays pick and roll, and I'm like, oh my god, like this is. I mean, it's just, it's just fun to watch, you know. It's just one of those uh, those players that you know. It's like you said, it's an ISO guy. It, it can be multiple things. It's like a it's a Swiss knife on offense that we kind of talked about. Delon Wright being like a little Swiss knife that uh, Casey called him that way. So I think like overall, I'm torn. But like you said, I'm happy with any of these picks uh, in the top three. But I do think that if we want to compete next year, want to be in the playing game. It has to be green and could be Cunningham too, I guess. I guess I'm not. Yeah. Here's the thing. I always laugh at this. I, I, I like to get your take on this, Vlad, because you. I, I don't know what your defensive game is. and it, I always laugh whenever we, we take – whenever we look through draft profiles and the weaknesses has to do with them on defense. I'm like, like Jalen Green is athletic. Like Jalen Green can be good on defense. So – at the end of the day, it's going to be whether they can get him to play hard or not. Like I did, it, I always kind of laugh. Like this is some huge knock about them defensively, and I'm like, it, it's probably not that they can't be a good defender. It's whether they're going to be able to get to now off the ball, understanding rotations and anticipating those things. That is something. But Cade Cunningham has the same one. So sometimes I'm like, do we knock these guys a little too much because? They, because of their defense like is that really what we're drafting guys on like I, I just kind of wonder how much that really goes into it whenever Troy Weaver and other GMs are making these decisions when I'm looking at a kid like him I feel like you just kind of overlooked it because he does have the potential to be a good defender just does he can he can he put his mind to it because okay I'm not gonna say he's in the Kobe mold but you know, the numbers say he's like that type of player, you know, like electric, he can score, he can do a lot of things. Uh, so that type of shooting guard, if you want to put him in the, not in the, in the, in the new dictionary that Rashad uses. Um, but I don't, honestly, I don't care because uh, we talked about Steph, can he guard? We talked about uh, when Steve Nash was hot, he's like, oh, you can't guard. Uh, at the end of the day, he's like, really? Honestly? nobody uses a ton of pick and rolls anymore. So it's about just guarding each other, you know, it's just the same way. Can they guard him? You know, or, can or, they guard... they or you switch ball screens. So yeah, you switch ball screens. Or like, if you remember, um, what, um, the Warriors used to do when Steph in the finals a few years back, 
um, Steph, they're, they're trying to hide Steph a little yeah. bit defensively, yeah. and he was hard hedging on pick and rolls. Yep, yep. Just so he doesn't switch, just so he doesn't get the switches. So there's ways around it. If you have someone so talented offensively and brings you so much that you can hide them, but I really don't think it's the case with Green. He's yeah. not a bad defender. He's an okay defender, and I think he just didn't assert himself this year to be like, okay, like we're locking down right now. I feel like the type of player he is, and uh, I read like two interviews of him too, and he seems like he wants the challenge. And I think that's a little bit different because when you get the league, if he wants to start guarding people, he wants that pride, it's going to kick in, and it's going to be very different for him long term. Yeah, and I mean, that's he, what, he has a chip on his shoulder, basically. And that's what Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft that was on a few weeks ago, he brought that up about defenders. Like, essentially in the NBA, if you're a neutral defender, as long as you're not a negative, you're a positive. You know what I mean? Like, there's very few, as, as when we'll get into this eventually with, with the guys that are really good defenders when we go around the NBA, but as there's very few guys who I feel like you watch play like, man, he's just awesome defensively. You know, like you can name him off. And there's usually like one per team that's just really, really good. Everybody else is neutral. And there are some bad defenders, don't get me wrong. But as long as you're not one of those guys, okay, then you're probably going to be all right. I I will say this. You brought up Kobe. And then you also brought up the position dictionary. NBA draft room. So I just kind of went out to all the different NBA draft sites, looked at comparisons, notes, all that to, to, to compile them together. So their comparisons... They said he's fierce like Kobe. So I think, uh, you know, I don't know anybody from there. I wish I could talk to somebody from there. But to me, what that's saying is he has that mentality. And you brought that up as well from an interview or something you saw, or maybe he said it. But, you know, if, if we need somebody like that, we've talked about that, you know. So if he has that mentality as well, I'm not by no means... There's only there's no other Kobe. So by no means am I saying that. But if he has a mentality that even comes close to that or he's cut in that same cloth, like that's awesome. And then the second thing is you called him a shooting guard. I agree. That's what he is. But if he can transition into one of those hybrid guards that Rashad talks about, then like if you see that potential in him, then you are talking about drafting him no matter where you can get him. Yeah, absolutely. And about Jalen Green, I think um... – where I got that from, you know, the, the Kobe thing that he, he was saying, you know, he was like, I have no doubt in my mind that if I would have went to college, I would have been number one pick in the draft. And that's when I was like, okay, like he's, you know, he just took a different path, but he wants to be that guy. You know, he, he wants to be. So, um, it's I, I don't know. It, it's very it's, – it's a very interesting player. It's one of those guys that clearly is one of the best in the draft, but – you know, just having Mobley and Cunningham there, it's like, do you pull the trigger? Because I feel like there's a little bit more risk with him. You know, you sure. take him number one and yeah. doesn't, you know, Kate Cunningham goes off. Which that gets you might. fired. That's a decision that gets you fired. Yeah, you know, but it depends how you do too because, okay, I- Kate Cunningham might be better, uh, you know, for an Oklahoma City team than for us maybe, you know. and But it depends because at some point you're going to be able to build that team around Kate Cunningham. Right now, we're just talking about Green, how well he fits with our team right now. And I'm not sure, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure Weaver, how long he plans on keeping this team together like this way, you know, because if we're long term, like five, six, seven years on these guys, some of these guys, right? Hayes, Bay, Stewart, even Grant, then yeah, if you're looking at five, six years, then I would look at Green. So here's my thing. 
at the end of the day, Vlad, and I know we need to wrap it up and get to around the NBA, but at the end of the day, I think what we both would agree on is we need to be in the top three. Because as we move, continue to move forward, we'll probably look at Jalen Suggs the next episode. And then after that, I don't even know who the consensus now. It used to be Kaminga, and I don't know if it is anymore. You're looking at Kaminga, Book Knight, Keon Johnson, Scotty Barnes. I heard oh, a lot of Book Knight. Yeah, Book Knight's like blowing up right now. And that was another guy that Richard Saban from Mavs Draft had was on early. So, but... I think you'll be you'll probably be able to tell by the tone of our voice and, and the way we speak that I don't think either of us are going to be as high on these other guys after the top three. You know, it, it's it's been coined a top five draft. I think in our opinions, this is a top three draft. You want to be in the top three. I'm not saying you can't get a good player still after the top three, but you want to be in well, the top you're three. You're talking like like there's tears to it, like you said it. Yeah. There's also just if you want to put it basic, basically it's like just great. You know, yeah, and I feel like the the top three is great because I know? love then, I love James James Booknight and everything I've heard about him. If we end up with him, I'll still be happy. But then I'm gonna get on here and I'm gonna say, man, I don't know that we have the roster to make it to the playing game next year. Like that's that's yeah, the difference. There. Exactly. Like, I don't think <laughs> Booknight ain't averaging twenty a game next year. You know what I mean? Like nah, he'll I agree. A, he'll be a fine player to add to what we have. But then you're looking at, okay, now to go get that superstar, it's going to be in free agency next year when Blake Griffin's contract comes off, or you're going to have to package all these guys for a I cannot player. wait for that, Bryce. I'm excited for that <laughs> when one. When that contract oh comes off. So I just every time to... I watch, I feel a lot of resentment towards Blake Griffin every time I watch him play. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I, like that's why I root, I root against the Nets now. It's like, I, ha- I have oh, a Blake. Watch. I haven't watched him play. I'll be honest. I, I haven't watched the Nets game. I see the the last time he did something, dunk, whatever. Like, I just kept scrolling through Twitter. Like, it, it pissed me off right. for a while. And now I'm just like, I ain't letting it ruin my night no more. Like, Blake exactly, Griffin, it, it is what it is. I, I mean, it makes I'm, me feel some type of weight towards him. Yeah, you know, I, I'm obviously like, going to watch the playoff games. So, maybe I'll even do a Blake Griffin breakdown after one of the games just for, just for the fun of it. So Yeah, do, do one from his first 20 games of the season. <laughs> no, I'm out. See how that looks like. No, I ain't watching none of that. <laughs> All right, Bryce, let's move around the NBA. So, the finalists for uh, some of the um, – Individual awards were announced, and the MVP finalists are Jokic and Bead and Steph. I, again, I feel some type of way about this too because we talked about stats. We talked empty stats all the time, right? And I understand there's no empty stats, but in the same time, I feel like we're discouraging leadership by not even remotely looking at Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah, that- and to me, that's it's. Uh, it, it just kind of takes away the, the fun of the game because okay, so is it stats? Is it because Jokic can lead the point, the the team in points, rebounds, and assists? Or we're not looking at the leadership of Chris Paul. And I'm not saying Steph had an amazing year, but at the end of the day, his team is the, is the playing game. Yeah, no, I I see your point, Vlad. Like, and you know, obviously Rashad talked about Chris Paul. We got into that a lot whenever we had him on the show. I, I'm still in on in, on Jokic as an MVP. Like I just uh, oh me too, me too. But, I apologize. But, that's that's that, to me that's a clear uh, clear cut win yeah. right there. But. I, and and Steph, li- listen, I realize this is a Detroit Pistons podcast, and this is what we do is the Pistons. And I like Steph Curry might be my favorite player in the history of the NBA. 
So like, I hope that doesn't turn any Pistons fans off, but I, I love that. I love that dude. And if, if you have time not to, you know, promote, but go check out Twitter. I did some breakdowns of his game against, um, the Lakers the other night showing four level scoring and this thing CJ Marchesani came up with called gravity. So check those out on Twitter, but. I don't have Steph as the MVP. I I don't think I had him in my top three. I didn't have him in my top three. I think he was top five. But because of what you said, like at the end of the day, if he doesn't win tonight, if they don't win tonight, we're recording this on Friday, if Friday morning, um, central time in the States, if they don't win tonight, they're not even in the playoffs. So like, like that's going to look really, really bad and set a weird precedence if all of a sudden you have that night. Now, what he does is incredible. But yeah, the, the two names that – and there can only be three. So that's why he won a scoring title. It's yeah, very different. Yeah, he that's won very a scoring true, title. Very and true. that's but enough in my opinion. CP3 and Giannis got left off. Or those are – I don't want to say they got left off. Hold on. Those are the two that I think you have the biggest arguments to put on this list is CP3 and Giannis. Yeah, and Giannis, you know, being back-to-back, I'm, it is what it is. But I'm really mad about Chris Paul. Why? Because your last year, OKC, when they looked at preseason and all, Chris Paul got traded to OKC. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to be, you know, like in the lottery. They're going to be like a top five, get, get a top five pick. They're so bad. And he turned that team around, got him where, where he got them. He was not considered for the MVP. So, and it was mostly, in my opinion, because of the ranking of that team, right? Because if he would take an OKC to a top four finish, he would have been. But it was almost impossible. To me, like, he took the OKC as far as they could get. He was not even in a conversation remotely. I'm not even sure he was a top 10 in that list. And he had a really good year. Now he takes his Phoenix team. His coach is the coach of the year. He, I mean, he. I understand other than that eight win run they had at the end of the bubble, that team was this team, this Phoenix Suns team was decent, right? They were they were there. They were in a conversation for maybe a playoff, maybe. So, to me, it's just discrediting winning right now. You know, I'm like, well, it, on, on top of that, and you have the odds in Vegas who say the Lakers are the favorites. Well, and that's what okay. So that's exactly what I was gonna say. So I had this discussion yesterday with the AU guys and they, somebody asked, you know, does, would another MVP, how would it bump Steph Curry's legacy? And I said, at this point, regular season doesn't matter. If Steph Curry wants to take another step in his legacy, he has to win a championship and win a finals MVP. So this is what I'll say about Chris Paul. Would it be great for him to get a regular season MVP? Absolutely. But you know what would really bump his status as an all time great? If he can knock the Lakers off. And, and I don't, I know people will try to change the narrative, but real hoopers will remember that they shouldn't have been this first round game. If he can knock the Lakers off, then he'll get the, the Nuggets or the, the Blazers in the center. If he can make a run through, say, the Lakers and then probably the Nuggets or the Blazers and then the Clippers beat the Nets in the final, like if he can go win a championship in a finals MVP, like that would, that would launch him somewhere. So to me, I agree with you. It's not fair. But he has this chance in this in these playoffs now to really seem in a legacy and put himself in a place that he he's not looked at yet. And I'm not I'm not taking away from any any of these finalists, right? And I don't want that to be the case. But 
in the same time, I feel like he should have been in the conversation. I sure. feel like he should have been top three. He should have been a finalist. I don't think he deserves the MVP. I think Jokic is a clear-cut MVP this year. What he's done for those Denver Nuggets is unbelievable. Uh, but in the same time, Embiid missed a bunch of games. You know, yeah. and yep. why? You know, why is he there? Um, just because of those missed games. So that, that's my biggest issue is that he, I feel like he was not even considered. Maybe that's why I'm so triggered about this because I feel like he just overlooked completely. It'll be interesting to see where he ended up. Like, was he number four, number five? Was he number yeah. six? You know, was he number eight? You know, like that would be interesting. It'll be interesting to see that. I'm sure that oh, stuff man. will come out. So I sure hope it wasn't like <laughs> seven, eight, nine. Eight. You're going to hear me go crazy uh, over here. I know, I know. <laughs> and now the sixth man finalist, Rose Clarkson Ingles. I'll be biased here. I do want Derrick Rose to win it. Same, like this, bro. The story, the, the story is right there. You know, the story is just it, – it's so many injuries. Went from MVP, you know, all this stuff coming back and also just going to New York. Right now, they're sold out. They sold out both home games. And it, it, it's just a beautiful thing for New York too. You know, they have Julius Randle in, in, MVP campaign. They have Derrick Rose, the six-man finalist. It's just really, really nice. Um bump up for New York because I do feel like the Easter Coast uh East Coast Conference they do need New York uh to be back to the old Knicks and I feel like a lot of people won that and uh Derrick Rose played a huge role in this this year. Yeah, I I'm with you and like I will admit I'm biased and it's like uh oh. it, it's like uh what it is I, I'm thinking with my heart here, not my head and I don't even care. I'll readily admit it. <laughs> I think Derrick Rose I think he should get it. You know, like how many MVPs and other awards did he get screwed out of because of injuries? And I know that a lot of players have, but he has a chance now to come. Like, I think it would just be sweet to add to his resume that he was able to bounce back from all of this, gets traded to the Knicks, and then helps them get to the number four seed. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they, they win their first round game and then, and then make, and then scare the Sixers in the second round. But I just think it would be awesome. If I'm really thinking about it, like I think in the, in the spirit of what the award is supposed to be, I mean, I think it's Jordan Clarkson. Like and I was I just gonna say the same thing, and I don't like, think it's even it, close, blah. Like, yeah, he almost averages twenty a game. So I was gonna say, yeah, eighteen a game, four rebounds, two point five assists. Um, you know, shooting fifty over fifty percent from two. Um, Ingles I mean, popping it's, it's in hard. there su- surprised me. Like that, that was. That that kind of took me out of nowhere. Like I knew he was having a good season. Obviously, Utah's killing it. But and again, not to just look at numbers, but you know he's only averaging twelve, you know, like four and four. So um, he must. Well, I'm curious, how do you get two guys being the sixth man? Right, so, only so, one checks. Only so, one checks in the game first. So <laughs> I told you, I told you, I've been on that locker room app, um, which you guys should go check that out. I've been talking to some Pistons people to see if we're going to get one going, something regularly scheduled or whatever, but. That got brought up by somebody was why? How is this sixth man of the year? And we have two guys. One from of the them same is the seventh team. man. I don't know yeah. which one. I so, think Ingles, but yeah. <laughs> so that's what they said. They need to change the the name of the award to like reserve of the year or something sub like of the that. Year. <laughs> yeah, sub of the year. The problem is the problem is all of those don't sound right. Like they sound like a downgrade, like disrespectful. Six man still carries a little bit of like. Uh, well, they can- they can go sign a contract with some kind of uh, restaurants. We're not going to yeah. say their names on this, uh, this, yeah. this episode. But uh, if you call the sub of the year, then you yeah. might get some good deals out right. of it. 
But, but now let's keep talking about the Jazz, Bryce, because the Defensive Player of the Year finalist: Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, Draymond Green, self-entitled best defender ever in the NBA. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Well, l- listen, Draymond was incredible defensively against the Lakers, but bro, he was equally as bad offensively. So he may he may be the <laughs> self-proclaimed best defensive player ever, but his offensive game. Had, it never. It was never great. He did a lot of subtle, nice things. We've talked about this, but you know, playing through the pick and pop. But man, a good he, role player. His, yeah, his offensive game has just fallen off. So, but he was he was incredible defensively. His mind, Vlad, his the way he sees the game and thinks the game. I'm sure he does awesome with scouting. Is incredible. I feel a little bit. I don't know what the right. Like I feel a little ill prepared to to talk about defensive player every time it gets brought up because. Even when I watch games, I'm usually so focused on trying to find the subtleties offensively and running the set play that I don't focus as much defensively. And I haven't seen a ton of jazz games. So I kind of just have to go based off what I've heard and seen and and read about. And it sounds like... Are you going to go Ben Simmons? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. It sounds like Rudy Gobert crushes everybody when it comes to the analytics the Jazz designed their entire defensive scheme around funneling people to him at the rim and then him turning them away. So I, I just feel like I, I feel like Rudy Gobert is probably going to win it and probably should. I think so too. And my reasoning is because he's a defensive anchor. Yeah. The defensive player of the year, a lot of times I feel like it's kind of tricky, right? Do you pick the best on-ball defender, like just a lockdown, or do you pick a defensive anchor that holds the whole defense together. And I feel like that's kind of the difference maybe in Ben Simmons and Draymond Green compared to Rudy Gobert, where Rudy just – it's really the anchor of that defense. Like, you take Rudy out, they're not the number one seed in the West at all. And defensively, they're going to be bad, most likely, because they do have some non-defenders. That's a good right? point, Vlad. That's a great you point. Have, There's you a have lot a of not very good defenders. You have a Bogdanovich. Ingles. Uh, Bogdanovich Ingles was the first one that I could think about. Clarkson is not the best defender no. on the ball. So just those three, okay, uh, Donovan Mitchell is a good defender. But just looking around the roster, I just – I don't see a lot of lockdown defenders. So that's why I give Rudy Gobert a lot more credit than I would give Ben Simmons, for example, where he's a very good defender. But he does have a little bit more him. Yeah, you have Joel Embiid. I mean, Tobias Harris not – a bad defender. Danny Green is a Matisse pretty solid Stiebel, defender. Matisse Stiebel's, that's his whole They're, rep is as a defender. So he has a lot more defenders around him than Rudy Gobert does. And Draymond, I feel like Draymond is in this category and this award right now. A lot of it also because of Steph, <laughs> to be honest with you, is because Steph kept him relevant offensively and they score a lot of points. So it's not like their whole trend this year was, oh, we're going to stop people. Because Steph didn't play, they were losing by fifty to the Raptors. So that's why, to me, it's, this, this, this is another clear cut win where Rudy Gobert just wins it, and uh, that just I don't. Know. And it's been like that for the last two three months. I feel like there was no discussion for the defensive player of the year. For sure, for sure. All right, Bryce, let's move the the, the playing games. Uh, quick update: you know, Wizards get the eighth seed in the East after beating the Pacers easily. <laughs> uh, then Boston, you know, they beat the Wizards uh, a few nights before that, and they got a seven seed. 
Uh, what's your take on this this playoff? Uh, okay, not the playing games, but just the playoff uh, picture right now in the East. Yeah, so uh, one, I was wrong. I, I thought the Wizards were going <laughs> to shocker, right? I thought the Wizards were going to win and be the seven, um, and the and then I actually had the Celtics losing. I, I thought the Hornets were going to get in there. I like the Hornets, and so every quick, quick, uh, qu- quick, so I can just uh, call them Vegas. No, Who's going to win uh, tonight? Stop. <laughs> the Grizzlies are the Warriors. You know, so I you know. know, you know, I'm picking Steph. So I don't. Oh, I'm, perfect. So I'll, I'm, I'll sure put my money on I'm sure they're favorites. I'm sure they're getting I'll, points. I'll put my money on Ja Dan. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, it's Golden State minus five, I believe, in Vegas right now. So, oh, um, yeah, go, go pick the Grizzlies because you're getting five points. <laughs> it's a, points. Pick, it's a solid pick. It's a smart pick. That's right. So. Um, you know, I, I still I can't get off this Wizards bandwagon. I don't know what it is. Yes. Keep going. Keep I, going. You got something there, Bryce. Not, not, I'm not going to do anything big. I'm not going to say anything crazy. I do think they're going to push Philly, though. Like, Philly just had – and I know you love Doc Rivers, and he's done a great job, and they've had a great Huge season. Fan. But they're not just, like, dominant, like they scare you – you know, like like Brooklyn scares mm-hmm. you. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if they're on all cylinders, yeah, Brooklyn scares you. So just with those two superstars and Russ and Bradley Bill, they've had two, quote, playing playoff games to kind of get their legs underneath them and figure it out. Some of those other guys, I like Daniel Gafford a lot. I'm Believe it or not, I might yes. be doing a Daniel Gafford breakdown here after we, and, and Bryce, after we I, remember done. Remember when we talked about the Wizards and their change from February? Yes. And when yes. he was at the roster, he got more minutes, uh, and they start protecting the paint a lot better, and he's huge. He's huge for that. So I, I think that's a chance. Here's the other one. This series, I think, is flying under the radar, Vlad. And, it got, again, it got brought up yesterday in the locker room app. Miami Milwaukee is a fun first round game, uh, series, Oof. and yes, another another series where you you aren't so confident in Milwaukee to say you guarantee they get out of that. Miami's finding their footing just enough. You know they have that confidence they can go back to what happened last year in the bubble and say, hey, this is who we are. We put it together at the end. We have a really good coach. We have our star. We have a mentality and an identity. And, and Jimmy said he's ready. So yeah. And if if Milwaukee start, there's a lot of pressure on them. And if Miami jumps out early in that series, woo, that that's gonna get real interesting. And then I'll let you go. But I just want to say. Jason Tatum dropped fifty on the Wizards too, and it was incredible. I didn't. I, I wanted to make sure we 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 acknowledge that, and I did a breakdown Absolutely. of that. I wanted to make sure we acknowledge that before we get on to other things. Bryce, I have a question about uh, you know your your take on really the Wizards Philly series because to me, I was looking at the matchups, and I don't want to say anything crazy, but to me the Wizards, I'm not sure they won the seven seed. Or how bad they wanted it, <laughs> because that's a that's such a bad matchup Absolutely. for them. The Nets. That's an awful matchup for them. I, I mean, it would have been, it could not have been worse. And when I saw them play for the eight seed, and I was like, the way they were playing, and just everything, just the intensity. And I'm like, okay, they got something here because they do have three seven footers that they can throw it and beat. Exactly, which can really change the game. And I'm not saying they're gonna win. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough to beat a, a, a team like the 76ers four times and a team coached by Doc Rivers. But um, I could I could see the series go seven games. I was going to say, that I, they're going to push them, Vlad. Like, I really, you're, yeah. you're, 
So they have what? Lopez, Lynn, and Gafford to throw at Joel Embiid. And then they play at a, a pace. A lot of bodies. Yeah, a lot of bodies. And then they're going to get the game up and down. So, you know, is Embiid going to want to play at that pace? Can he play at that pace? Is he in shape, you know, enough to do it? So, uh, and, and, you know, you look at that Philly roster, Vlad, and, you know, I love Tobias Harris. He's been incredible. Do you trust him to be a 20-point-a-game guy come playoff time? Like, that'll be interesting to see if he does, if he's able to do that in the playoffs. He's had a great year. You know, but then you look at the rest of these names and, you know, they're not guys that scare you. And you're going to have to score the ball to play with the Wizards. We've talked about the pace they play with. So, I, I think, Westbrook is scary. Yeah. Bradley Beal, that's a scary backcourt, Bryce. And on top of that, you get Bertans, you can hit a lot of shots. That just kind of takes Tobias Harris out, off the paint. You know, he's going to keep him outside the whole game. Roy Hachimura solid. I don't know. I, re- I really can see the series go go uh, go full seven games. You you bring up a great point with matchups because one reason Boston blew out the Wizards is because of the lineups the Wizards played, and Boston was able to take advantage of it and get mismatches for Jason Tatum. They were able to get like Bertans switched out onto Jason Tatum. Well, the 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 Pacers weren't able to do that because they didn't have any ISO players to take advantage. Like they can get whatever switch they want, but they didn't really have anybody to take advantage of it. So you look at the Wizards. If they would have matched up with Brooklyn, they got plenty of ISO guys to take advantage of those matchups. But does Philly really have that? I don't think so. You know, they exactly. don't. They don't have, they don't that, have it. They don't They're have a system team. Guy. They're a yes. system team. So you, you're a system team that relies heavily on Embiid, and they can throw. You know, they're gonna have a ton of fouls to give at, at that position too. So it, it can be just nothing easy for Embiid. You know, it can be like he gets in the paint. That's it. You know, there's gonna be a lot of contact. You know, you have, what, 18 fouls to give just from your centers. Yeah. It, it, so it's going to be – we're going to find out how good defensively Thibault and Ben Simmons are in this series. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's, that's a good point right there about Ben Simmons. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I do see Boston, uh, you know, getting a quick out. I agree. Um, right there. But let, let's move to, uh, to the West, Bryce. That Lakers-Warriors, I do want to stay in that playing game because... <laughs> that was fun, man. I mean, honestly, whatever LeBron said, it just kind of backfired against him because that was a ton of fun. That game, by far the pl- best playing game so far, it just had like a feeling of a really like almost like a game seven. Yeah, and so here's where I do think we have to, to steal from the Everything Pistons podcast, Lance and Andrew, our guys over there, they have a segment called Pump the Brakes. You, you should go listen. It's a fun, fun as hell segment. So to pump the brakes a little bit on the play in the – like you had the two biggest stars in the league that just happened to be you know in this game. So everybody's talking about the ratings and the play-in games working and all this stuff. Like hold on just a second. Like you had LeBron James and Steph Curry because of a variety of factors that ended up in this game. So I don't want to – I'm still a fan of it. But, like, I think we just need to chill just a little bit on <laughs> it being this incredible idea. I'll never agree with LeBron that whoever came up with the idea should be fired. But I'm just saying, like, let's... Well, let's, that game alone kept this job for a few years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this game was a blast, Vlad. I, it was so much fun to watch. Steph was incredible. Watching the way the Lakers were defending him was incredible. The shot by LeBron was incredible. Um yeah, I, I, make sure you go check out that Steph breakdown. Yeah, uh, awesome was, that, job that, with Bryce right yeah, there. That one was fun, man. I enjoyed doing that one a lot. Um, probably because it was Steph Curry, but I just I felt like 
watching how the Lakers, just all the attention he got was was crazy. But, you know, LeBron with his theatrics and his drama with the eye. Like, I know he got poked in the eye, and I know it hurts, but like, you know, I got CJ said, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, no, yo, CJ McCollum, man. I love, I, we got to get CJ on the show, man. Like, we, we, we need to hit him up, be like, hey, remember, did you beat CJ or no? Did he bust you? No, we, uh, we sucked that year. So, uh, no, 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 wait, wait, no. My junior year, we lost him to semis, and then my senior year, we never got to play them. We beat him the regular season, though. Okay. Well, this was it. So, your junior year was the year I was still on staff. We weren't very, well, we, we were a lot better when you when you were able to play at semester. But anyway, tell CJ he busted us or something. He owes us coming on the show. I don't know. But, um, he uh that that game was fun man it it was so fun your guy ad didn't look good for a long time but he 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 made some plays late in the fourth which was good he, that's the thing about the lakers like just people keep bringing this up are you not going to trust the lakers in the fourth quarter cuz i feel like they've given us every reason to to trust them and they're really good defensively so i, I think they're very their their squad is is fit well to the playoffs I mean, it is a playoff squad. It is a championship squad. Uh, you know, like you said, it just, it just happened that they're in the seventh seed right there. You know, two of the best players in the league are playing for in a playing game. One thing that kind of got me worried about the Lakers and just trying kind of like nitpicking right now is Drummond. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, those defensive coverages, all that stuff. That the I kinda center position in to, general, right, Vlad? I kind of – well, that, that's why I said Drummond because that was the center position. So as soon as they brought him on – on the squad, I was like, okay, that's Drummond. That's the defensive anchor in some ways. Uh, maybe it's, it's my fault for expecting that Rudy Gobert presence, right? I was like, he has all these guys around him. It's going to be so easy for him to be a defensive anchor. And to me, I feel like he was a liability more than a defensive anchor. So that's kind of scary going forward because you do have a DeAndre Ayton coming up who's playing very well this year. And with a heady point guard that really understands and reads the game and knows how to attack certain matchups and certain pick and roll coverages, and it, it, that's it can get tricky. I understand they're the favorites. I, I don't. Again, that kind of just triggers me because it's really not fair. Those guys work their butts off the whole year, and to even not put them as favorites is kind of disrespectful. You, you know, it's just. Yeah, but so they, they worked all year to be a second seed, and now it's like, well, but, you're not even favorites. Vegas is in the land of making money, man. There's no emotions in, in, in what Vegas does, but you know. <laughs> true, so, what true. do you think about this? Because so I don't know this if this is true or not, but they say that AD or I've read that AD doesn't want to play the five. He doesn't like to play the five, so that's why he doesn't. But it seems like that's where he is best and where they're best. Do you think we'll see AD at the five moving well, forward? The game changed more? so much from when he came the league to now definitely like he should take that spot because it's very different you know so uh, but maybe he has a stigma to it he doesn't want to be a center or whatever quote unquote but uh, to me it's a very different position than when he was drafted to now uh, they're not the same type of players um, you know I, I don't know uh, I do understand that he doesn't want to play the five it's his call I guess uh, but at the same time you're trying to win the championship so you should do whatever it's is necessary to win a championship. Right? Yeah, exactly. Bryce, what do you think about, you know, it's a lot of interesting matchups, right? The 3-6 matchup, Denver-Portland yep. is kind of interesting one. Very one. Very of course, Clipper-Mavericks, I don't find it that interesting, honestly. I, I, think the Clippers I, are gonna, I, I don't either. Agreed. Yeah, it's going to be an easy one for the Clippers. But really, the uh, if the Warriors win tonight, 
the Utah Golden State series. It can be very interesting. Yeah. Because the Gobert defensive anchor that we just talked about, he has to guard half court. I'm saying it goes away, right? Like he doesn't become yeah, as much Yeah, the of whole a- defensive presence goes. So you get him involved in like that fourth level that Rashad talks about that you, you point out in the video. You bring him out that fourth level, he has to guard somebody the fourth level because Steph's going to shoot it. Then on top of that, you can have kind of like forward guard ball screens where you have Bogdanovich and Ingles involved in a lot of ball screens. So what do you do with Steph? You know, do you try to trap him? I'm not sure those guys are quick enough, especially because Steph moves a lot. People don't see that, but Steph moves a ton off the ball or he gets rid of the ball, gets it right back on a cut. And that's going to be very hard for Utah to guard. I think that's – of course, they got to get to the playing game. But that could be also a very interesting matchup. That's a really interesting one for the reasons you bring up. Yeah, like what they expose Rudy – I don't want to say expose, sorry. They're going to make him do something that isn't at the rim. They're going to he, – he has to come out and guard at 35 feet. And so now if Wiggins cuts or whoever cuts or drives it, he may not be there to protect the rim. And we talked about them not having a ton of like wing guard defenders that are super high level. Um, so who's going to chase Steph Curry around everywhere? Here's the other thing, Vlad. Donovan Mitchell hasn't played in a month. so Yeah, they're saying his, fir- his first game is going to be – Game one of, of yeah, so that the series is going to be Memphis or Warriors. Yeah, so, yeah. It'll, it'll be his first game in a, over a month will be Sunday. So what kind of shape is he going to be in? What's he going to be able to do? You know, what's his minutes restriction going to be? And then here's the Jazz. And listen, I love it. And I went through all the stats yesterday, all the three-point records they broke as a team. And it's just incredible. And I love it. And I love their style of play. But if those shots aren't going down – offensively, then it can get a little sketch as well. Like who on that team is going to get their own bucket? You know, probably Clarkson. So it, it, it could be an interesting series based on matchups. And, and, you know, we talk about this all the time, the playoffs. Absolutely. And, and we're not talking about just, uh, I was just talking about the Warriors, but also think about the matchup with Phoenix with them. It would still be tough. You know, okay, you have Valanciunas who can match up really well with Gobert on, on, on the boards and all that stuff. But you do have a John Morant, you know, you got a Bane that can stretch the floor. Uh, you got Brooks. It's it's going to be a tough matchup for the Jazz regardless, in my opinion, especially because of what you mentioned. Donovan Mitchell hasn't played in one month. Yeah, I, th- I think the only series that won't be competitive actually is the 4-5. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, all, I mean, obviously the Lakers-Suns, we talked about that one. I think the Nuggets-Blazers is going to be more, you know, obviously competitive because of no Jamal Murray. I think the Blazers are going to make him work. And again, you got two dudes. You got Damian and CJ who can go for 50, 40, you know, um, any given night, you know, each one of those guys. And so if you have a Dame game and a CJ game and, you know, whatever, you know, Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon are going to have to step up huge for that squad, for the Nuggets. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And Bryce, now uh, to end this week, since uh, Bryce and I just talked a few days ago, we're debating uh, doing a Facebook Live show weekly, a, a little bit short than this. So I really want to take your input, guys. Uh, we're probably going to put, on, put a poll on Twitter about this. But please leave us a me- message on Twitter or Facebook um, at Motor City Hoops. Just if you, if you would be something of interest. Right, Bryce? Yeah, Let's yeah. see if... Let's find out, yep. Yeah, let's see if some that you guys would want to just uh, check in every week and talk about certain scenarios. Maybe Bryce can throw in some of his breakdowns in there. 
and um, you know just have a live look uh, Q&A with you guys uh, so please leave us a comment uh, either at Motor City Hoops on Twitter or Motor City Hoops on Facebook uh, you'll find us there and until then we're going to catch you next week thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast catch you on the next one